This is Hope FM. Well, my two very special guests, as you heard me saying at the top of the programme, are Dave Warden, Chairman of Dorset Humanist, and Dave Pegg, who leads the school school's work for PACE, uh, Programme for Applied Christian Education. But I'm going to uh, talk to David Warden, first of all. So... Uh, Humanism, and now that's something, David, I must say that although I have many friends who would say they are humanists, I've had to really educate myself <laughs> into what it, what it actually means. But obviously you're going to put me straight uh, and put us all straight. But how did it all happen for you? Because you, you, you were brought up in a Christian family and then things progressed. But you, know, you tell the story. Yes, OK. Thanks, thanks, Blair. It's very nice to be here. Um, yeah, I was born in, in Boscombe and I grew up in... Um, uh, in in Bournemouth and uh, went to St John's School and went to uh, Sunday School at St John's Church and uh, joined the choir and um, I when I was about seven years old I I realised that I hadn't been christened and I think it's because I had celiac disease when I was a baby and uh, my mother had been rather preoccupied with getting me up to Great Ormond Street Hospital so uh, so I was um, you know I was a conscious uh, um, you know seven year old when I when I got christened uh, at St John's uh, Church and um, around about the age of eleven I um, became a Christian in the sort of classic evangelical sense I invited Jesus into my heart and became a Christian so. So throughout my teenage life, I was a very pious uh, young man and uh, very keen on Bible study and prayer groups at school. Uh, I went to Porchester School and then Bournemouth School to do my A-levels. And at Bournemouth School, we used to go, go to prayer groups at lunchtime and pray for the Divinity Master because he was very liberal and we thought that uh, he, needed he, needed our, he, he needed our prayers, you yeah. know, yeah. So that was <laughs> um, but I was quite depressed in my sort of later teenage life, as I'm sure many teenagers, uh, teenagers are, and... Um, I um, I came across a, a particular motto in a in a, in a book, uh, which 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 went like this: "Believing in myself, what is there I cannot accomplish," and that was a real revelation to me. And I think maybe that was the first inklings of my sort of humanist journey. I mean, I was still was very much a Christian at that point, um, believing in God and, and believing in in everything that was going on at church. But this idea of believing in myself was sort of heretical but it was strangely kind of attractive and I did did start believing in myself in the sense of having confidence in myself and that was that was certainly one of the turning points I then went to uh, University of Kent to study theology and uh, that was with a view to becoming a Christian minister or Anglican vicar or something along that uh, along those lines so I went into started my university um, life uh, studying theology as an evangelical Christian. Of course, all of my beliefs were being challenged by reading the history of Christian doctrine and uh, the philosophy of religion. And I think over time, I mean, I encountered some very interesting writers. In particular, I would mention John Robinson, who wrote a book called Honest to God in 1963, uh, which caused a bit of a scandal at the time. And later on, I also uh, encountered Don Cupid, um, who was another Anglican priest who, who wrote some very radical books about Christianity. And I think towards the end of my three years studying theology, um, my I was really beginning to doubt the veracity of my beliefs, and uh, in particular the, the 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 idea that I was having a relationship with God. Um, and I think I was really seeking some evidence. Um, and it's very difficult for me to quite explain how this happened. But if I can put it like this. 
Um, I'm sure everyone is familiar with the phrase, uh, seeing is believing, you know, and that's kind of the way we, we operate in the ordinary world. I can see you here now, Blair, and I can, I, you know, I believe that, you, here, and I believe that you exist, yeah. etc. Et I'm definitely here, folks. <laughs> you're, you're definitely there. I don't have any problem with that. Um, but my feeling is that, that Christians and religious people in general, they kind of flip that round and they say they put faith first. So believing is seeing. So it's almost like you install a little program in your mind of faith and then you start seeing God in the world. And I, and I understand perfectly how that works psychologically. But I think once I realized that that was what was going on for me, um, that I, I stopped believing. So at the end of my three years uh, studying theology at university, I stopped believing in God. Did you go through a phase of, I suppose, uh, where you were agnostic, you know, or did you go straight to would you would you have called yourself an atheist? There is definitely no God. I went through definitely went through what I would call a liberal Christian phase, um, but that was quite short lived. Um, and I don't think I ever went through a sort of agnostic phase. Uh, maybe very very short lived. But I think uh, yeah. But before I actually took my final exams, um, I I moved to an atheist position. I took my final exams. I got my degree. I. I graduated in the splendour of Canterbury Cathedral and I was handed my degree by Joe Grimmond who was the leader of the Liberal Party and Chancellor of the University. Um, so that was all, all very nice. But uh, it was difficult then to know what to do with a theology degree as an atheist. So that's another part of the story maybe we can come well, on get to. Well, get on to that more. a wee bit, a bit <laughs> later. One thing I am keen to ask you though is, I mean, obviously your, your family and your friends yeah. and people who knew you yeah. uh, saw this change within you. How did they react? Was it a mixed bag? It was quite difficult, actually, because when I came back, um, I was sort of holding a lot of these things in. When I came back from university, I mean, sort of after university, basically I had two things to tell my my family. Um, One that I was gay and one that I was an atheist. Um, So which one of those was the most difficult? I mean, I I didn't meet with any rejection. Um, My parents were... It took them a while to adjust, obviously. Um, my dad was, uh, by this stage, my dad was going to Lansdowne Baptist Church, and he was a very keen Baptist Christian. He was obviously very disappointed with the, with the loss of faith. Um, but the, the, um, the, the gay thing, um, we got over that fairly quickly. And, uh, you know, we've, we've always had lots of love in our family. So I was very, very lucky. In You're that blessed sense. in that regard. Because one Absolutely. of the things that, that we, we all know now is that uh, tolerance, particularly within sometimes the Christian community, is not always in the abundance that it should be. And, sure. of course, there are a lot of people who are hurt and confused. I mean, I guess that, that, that you know, coming to that position of deciding what you believe and, 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 and of course, your, your sexuality is in itself a, a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. So, to, to, I guess, to have uh, uh, no support in that for many. Can, so you were, you were quite fortunate to have that. I was fortunate. And I, I, over the years, I found that uh, quite a number of Christians would, would uh, often say to me, oh, did you lose your faith because of, you know, being, being gay? And uh, I've always said that that was, n- that was a separate, that was a completely separate issue. I'd already really reconciled sexuality and Christianity. Uh, we can go into that if you, if you would like to at some point. But I'd already sort of um, crossed that bridge, really, in terms of being a Christian. Uh, um, so the, uh, the loss of faith was much more of an intellectual process, I would say. Now, we're going to be talking to Dave in a moment after we play you a song. But how did you two, how did you two meet? Because obviously, uh, I think Dave mentioned you, you were in debate. 
Yes, yes. We met at Bournemouth University. Um, I think it was the chaplaincy group. Although Dave, I think it could have been the Christian Union, but one of the two uh, organisations at the Bournemouth University, they invited us up there to do a debate between a, um, a theist, um, an atheist and an agnostic. So I was the atheist, Dave was the theist, and we had a, an, another guy called Connor, I believe his name was, uh, who was the agnostic. And uh, we had a great debate and uh, we, we became firm friends after that. And of course, there's an important part, isn't it? Because, I mean, as I said at the beginning of the programme, philosophically and in terms of religious belief, you are at opposite ends of the scale. But actually, you're firm friends. We are, we are. And I guess that 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 must have have led and continues to lead to some very interesting conversations. We love to meet in coffee shops in Westbourne and uh, we're always discussing things like the cosmological argument and stuff like that. And here you are on the radio (laughs) doing the same same thing. Well, we'll come to Dave in a moment and, and tell something of his story and come back to you. Now, you've, your first song is Harvest for the World. Yes. Um, yeah. Why this one? Okay. Uh, the songs that I've chosen all come from the mid-70s, which kind of shows my age. Uh, Harvest for the World, I think it's just a great song by the Isley Brothers. Um, just having a very brief look at uh, one or two of the lines there. Half of us are satisfied, half of us in need. I think that's still very much the case in the world today. Um, and they keep on repeating this question, when will there be a harvest for the world? I think we have got a harvest for the world. I mean, most people in the world are fed, um, not as much as they need. Um, but, you know, we've been reminded recently that the harvest from Ukraine actually feeds millions of people in Africa. And there's obviously a very great risk of that being disrupted. Uh, so we are feeding the world. Um, but, you know, but it's not guaranteed. And uh, we need to make sure that we can keep on doing that. This is Hope FM. Well, that's the Isley Brothers there, chosen by uh, David Warden, Harvest for the World. Well, my second guest is another Dave, only uh, this time as Dave Pegg. I'm calling you David, so you know to distinguish between So it's David Warden and Dave Pegg. Now, Dave, uh, I know that you're now the, uh, the, the senior schools worker for, for PACE, but tell us something about your journey of faith. How did it all happen for you? Were you did you have that Christian upbringing? Yeah, I did. So I was uh, born into a Christian family. My mum and dad, both Christians, and got a younger brother as well, five years younger, and he's a Christian too. So we all grew up going along to church every Sunday, uh, mostly enjoying it, not always enjoying it. Sometimes they kind of dragged us there. Uh, You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, but I did always think that it was real. I did always um, think that God was real and his love for me was real. And I and my reasons for believing back then probably had a lot to do with my parents, I guess. But I was convinced that God loved me and I was keen to live life with him. Um, I became a Christian, I would say, when I was five years old. Uh, and it was a simple prayer in our kitchen with me and my mum. And I wanted to invite Jesus into my heart. And we prayed a prayer along those lines. And I, and I used to look back on that and think that was just, you know, a silly, simple kid's prayer. It didn't really mean much. But actually, now, these days, I realise, I think that's literally what happened when I prayed that prayer. Jesus, uh, uh, God the Son, moved into my heart by his Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And that relationship, that friendship between me and the God who made me began when I was very little and continued right through to today. 
Uh, obviously, my reasons for believing today are different. They're a bit more grown up than my reasons when I was five. Well, you're a bit of a thinking person. I mean, you, yeah. you both have that in common, don't you? Uh, that, mm. that you're, you're thinking you like a good debate. Yeah, absolutely. Like to try and disagree agreeably. And I think that's how a lot of learning gets done. If people are willing, are willing to listen and understand a very different perspective, uh, that can be really helpful. I've tried to do that I've not always been very good at that but I think I'm getting better at, at, at listening and understanding people and in explaining what I believe and the reasons for what I believe in a, in a way that people can understand better as well so yeah I really enjoy debates discussions and, and things like that yeah now did you hit any bumps in the road because obviously coming to faith and those I mean, a lot of people I interview have actually come to faith as children in fact mm. you both have that in common uh, but did you go through a questioning yourself at any point? I mean, I don't think I would describe it as a, as a phase or a period or a moment. I think just constantly throughout my years growing up, I was questioning things, doubting things sometimes, uh, and growing with all of that. Uh, my questions grew up as I grew up, and my doubts grew up as I grew up, and, and my reasons for believing things uh, and being convinced kind of grew up as I grew up. So the conversation between me and God was growing up as I was growing up as well. So, so was all, there ever, all the way through. Was there ever a point in your life uh, where you said, well, is there really a God? There have been moments like that. And I think they've come, though, rather than because of my own personal doubt that God exists... It's been because others I care about aren't sure that he exists or think that he doesn't exist. And I'm trying to think like them. I'm trying to imagine, OK, let's, let's have a thought experiment for a moment. What if he doesn't? What's the alternative? How do I make sense of stuff if there's actually no God? And I start finding that harder to believe. Uh, I start finding many things harder to, harder to explain when I consider the alternative. Um, I think God is the best explanation for a lot of things that we see in in our world so yeah so not so much for personal doubt from very early on there was no going back for me i was convinced that god was real and enjoying relationship with him there were questions about other things that i faced and had to kind of wrestle with and figure out what i believed about x y and z but not about god really existing and i suppose that 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 questioning if for healthy people Mm. if if we're all growing it's important isn't it no matter what the what we believe at the end of the day actually to to know why we believe it yeah and and to be and to to give a confident account of what we believe is is important isn't it yeah i hope as i've described it it sounds healthy actually and i think that's the kind of journey i would hope uh, all young christians would go on and all all growing christians would go on they'd be asking helpful questions they'd be exploring their own reasons why and they'd be ready to change their mind and course correct if they realise, oh, I've been believing something wrong. I need to adjust. I need to change my mind about something. Now, I should have asked you before I started to talk to you what piece of music we play, because you two are both into music big time, and I've got a computer full <laughs> of music here. But of all of the ones on your list, what, just have a quick look there, and what, do you, what, what should we play now? Why don't we go for Mediocrity, Mediocrity by Dweeb? Okay, so tell us a wee bit about that while I'm looking for it. So the lead singer in this band is is Tim Olford, friend of mine, and it's from a while ago now. This band uh, isn't active anymore, but the words that I love from this song say, Why do I apologise for what I know is true? Why do I put out the fire to accommodate you? 
Now is the time that I won't compromise what I do. Now is the time to forget what you thought you knew. So I think it's about uncompromising faith in God and, and really living that out courageously and not hiding it away. This is Hope FM. Now, my two special guests uh, uh, today, you've heard, is uh, Dave Pegg and Dave Warden. Dave Warden is chairman of Dorset Humanists, and Dave Pegg uh, is the senior schools worker for uh, Pessy. He heads up uh, that work. And both of them together go in to local schools. Uh, and one of the, f- the, the first things that they say to the young people there is, so what do you think humanism is? And what do you think Christianity is? Uh, that's where you start, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So both of you together, what sort of responses do you tend to get? The uh, yeah, the, the students usually know a little bit more about uh, Christianity, as you might expect, uh, than humanism. But um, on the humanist side, most of them will have an inkling that it's about uh, lack of belief in God or atheism, um, and they might say that uh, that humanists are also very very science based as well. Um, that's probably maybe about as far as we get in that initial session and they, they come out with quite a few more things about Christianity. So Dave, over to mm-hmm. you. What, what do they say about Christianity? They'll often say uh, belief in God that he actually, uh, as, as contrasted to humanism. They'll talk about maybe the afterlife as well, heaven and hell, and that might be something they spot as a difference between us. Um, belief in Jesus, following the Bible, and those are the kind of things they'll come up with. Uh, when they're talking about what is a Christian. Now, they must be surprised at seeing you both opposite ends of, of, of belief in, in some ways, together in, in some ways as well. Yeah. But the fact that you're both there together, that, mm. that must be quite exciting for them. I hope so. Um, I don't know if, well, I don't know if they're excited, but certainly curious, you know, and the fact that we, we introduce ourselves as uh, people that, be, you know, we've been friends for a good number of years. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's a fantastic thing that, that people, uh, Christians and humans, can go into schools together uh, and have that kind of dialogue in front of the kids. Um, sorry, if I, can, if I can use that word, students, sorry. Um, and uh, in a respectful way, and as, as Dave has mentioned, you know, a, a disagreeing well and, and, and uh, disagreeing agreeably is such an important uh, modelling for, for the uh, for the students to be able to see. And there's no doubt about it that, of course, the whole purpose of education is to enable young people to think for themselves yeah. mm. and question and, of course, come to their own, their own conclusions, which, of course, we all do as part of life, don't we, to the end of days, really, I, I, I guess. So tell yeah. us something yeah. about how you structure those, those sessions then. How does that work out? Well, after we've heard from the students about what they think they know about humanism and Christianity, we each take a turn, don't we, to briefly share what we think a humanist is and what we think a Christian is uh, the simplest way we know how and we fill in the gaps in some of their knowledge and and in doing that we're sometimes often surprising people as well they think they know what a humanist is or maybe they don't or they think they know what a Christian is but the way I explain it might surprise them as well Um, often people think Christianity is about a to-do list trying harder to be better Uh, and and we do like to be good hopefully um, but actually it's about a gift to be received for free by faith through Jesus, uh, and people often miss that about Christianity. So, a lot of in a lot of ways, we're surprising people uh, in 
in who we are. Sometimes we guess, we get them to guess sometimes, don't we? Which one of us is the Christian? Which one of us is the humanist? Oh, yes. They usually get that wrong as well. I think they <laughs> usually think, because I'm, I'm normally dressed much more smartly than Dave. Dave turns it's up because he it's cycles sh- there. Sh- shorts know. like today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they think, <laughs> he, shorts, they think he's the atheist, and I'm there with an, in a collar and tie, and they think but I'm Of course, I'm, he, yeah. he's, he's <laughs> a bit young. Of course, you and I are a bit more mature, aren't we? Yeah, well, there's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can say I'm young anymore. I wear a hat. But, <laughs> yeah. but Dave, Dave you, you present Christianity in four points, and when we mm. were planning this whole lesson, you kind of forced me into the four-point <laughs> model for humanism as well. Do, do you want to quickly say what your four points are? Yeah, so people might have heard these before, but we run through what Christians believe as a bare minimum. Christians believe more than four things, but we say Christians don't believe less than these four. Number one, that God loves us and created us for personal relationship with him now and forever. Number two, every Christian believes that there's a problem with human beings. It's our sin that separates or divides us from God. It's spoilt that relationship we're supposed to have with the God who made us. Number three, we believe in a solution for that sin. It's Jesus. We believe God has turned up as a man, lived a life without sin, died on the cross in our place and rose again for us as well, for our sin problem. And number four, every Christian believes we've got a choice to make. Uh, do I believe this is true? Will I put my faith in Jesus and ask God for forgiveness and friendship with him? Or will I say, no, it's made up nonsense and not for me? So, yeah, we do that. God's, God loves me, made me to know him. Uh, my sin divides me from God. Jesus is God's only solution for my sin problem. And number four, I'm choosing. Yes, please, I need forgiveness and friendship with God. And, and, then, and then, sorry, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I then tend to do a little bit of a, a quick response to that uh, as an introduction to oh, humanism. Oh, so you respond to Dave. I do respond yeah, okay. to that, yeah. And what I say is that, um, that Dave and I have got, uh, one of the things we've got in common is that we both believe in science, um, um, but that Dave believes in this additional perhaps an additional dimension of, of ultimate reality, which you might call a spiritual reality. So it's almost like a dualistic um, notion of, of ultimate reality. So that's a big difference between us. And so I explain that I put a number of different things into that higher realm of reality that I don't actually believe in. I think it's like a mythological realm. So things like gods, um, angels, demons, um, and then I might say Superman and Batman and things like that. I say all of those things are in a kind Kind of mythological realm and, and that humanists don't believe in that, in that uh, layer of reality. And so then I just respond to what Davis said by saying that, you know, I don't believe what, you know, that what Davis said is very interesting from a sort of mythological point of view, but I don't believe in, in, in God or Jesus in that sense. That gives me then a sort of introduction into humanism. So my four points of humanism, if I can just briefly say that, obviously, no belief in God, or the afterlife. So it's very much a naturalistic viewpoint based on what science can tell us. Um, then that leads into the second point, which is, which is that the humanist view is very much about living this life. We've got one life and we should give it our best shot. You know, this is it, folks. Um, point number three, I kind of, kind of responding to the, this idea that, that Dave is, is saying that, you know, Christianity is about following Jesus. So from a humanist point of view, it's much more not about following any kind of guru or teacher, but it's much more about following your own path in life, having that sense of personal autonomy, believing in yourself, which is what I mentioned earlier about my own path. And then the fourth point, I say that humanists want to make the world 
a better place for everyone. And that's certainly something that Dave and I agree on. But again, for, you know, for different, slightly different reasons, you know, Dave is doing it within a context of belief in God, whereas I'm doing it within a context of, well, you know, we're, we're here, uh, let's, let's try to make the world a better place in the best way that we possibly can. So you've set your stalls out, as it were. Yep. Uh, yeah. Then, yeah. then what happens? Yeah, what happens then, Dave? <laughs> we ask them to spot the difference, don't we, next? Uh, we get them to yes. have a discussion. We put the, the two lots of four points next to each other to compare and contrast. So we ask them, spot the differences. And also, can you spot the similarities? Or is there anything that's the same or similar in each of our worldviews? And so we have a discussion about that next. So tell us uh, what they come up with. Yeah, I mean, they they do tend to come out with the obvious things, you know, belief in God and lack of belief in God. Mm-hmm. Um the similarities, sometimes they struggle with a bit and we have to prompt them a little bit. But I think one of the, one of the key similarities is that, um, is that we both believe in, um, in following the argument where it leads. We both believe in evidence. Yeah. We both believe in the idea of, of there being, being truth um, and that we fundamentally disagree. So we're, n- we're not saying that uh, you know, it's okay for people to believe contradictory things. And it's like, so we're, we're basically challenging that idea of your truth, you know, and that, uh, mm. we're actually saying there is something called objective truth here mm-hmm. and that we fundamentally disagree on that. We both think one of us is wrong, don't we? Yeah. And That's we both right, think yeah. we know who it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there yeah. is ultimate truth, but it's which which ultimate truth? Yes, yes. I think, I yeah. think we, yeah, we're not being mushy about that. We, we are actually saying there's a very fundamental disagreement here, which can, we can argue about, you know, in a good, in a good way. I mean, obviously, we're on Generation Z now, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, and um, what sort of feel do you get in terms of, would you say, with your, with your experience, because you've done these sessions a lot, uh, what, do you, what feeling do you have about young, where young people are in terms of, of, of belief and so on? You think it's something that occupies their attention a lot? Are, are not at all or somewhere in the middle I would say yes and no um, depending on what we're talking about so if we're talking about religion I think most of the young people we meet in this part of the world today are done with religion they're bored of it they desperately don't and they're definitely be not going to church are they mm. no and uh, and a lot of them don't see the point of being in an RE lesson uh, it's not the subject that they get excited about is it still mandatory RE in schools yeah, yes. it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. To a point, uh, not everyone has to do it for GCSE, but yeah, until year nine. Mm-hmm. Of course, it used to be that, and I don't know whether this is still the case, but the origin of the species used to be taught as if it were fact. Mm. Uh, and of course, that, that puts some people's backs up, maybe not yours, Dave, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, but, but of course, isn't it, isn't it true that actually that it's better to have a firm, you know, a, a person who is a Christian, a person in this case who is a humanist, actually, because talking about your your real experience, your lived experience as well, must be a lot more easier to engage than perhaps mm. some of the more philo- philosophical arguments and so on. Yeah, sure. I think I think we do try to make it make it quite personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, lived experience is a big thing that teachers will talk about, and I think as well, young people do. Even though they're done with religion, they're not done asking big human being questions, and they're not just religious people questions only, but human questions like, "Is there a God?" I think people do wonder about that at some point in their life, and why are we here, and what's right and wrong, what purpose does my life have? Those kind of questions are mm-hmm. very human questions. Mm-hmm. 
It's very interesting because right at the beginning, uh, David, when you were talking about, um, you know, one of the things that you realized in your, in your journey was the fact that, that your self-development, your self-belief and being able to make the, the, the most out of life, yeah. you know, uh, didn't seem to sit comfortably as far as you were concerned, you know, with with belief in God uh, and so on. Yeah. Uh, David, how would you you, and how have you responded to that particular issue? Because obviously there is a risk, isn't there? And I guess that that for some people it would be true to say that maybe because of their parents' belief or or whatever, Mm. that they they don't so much do the legwork themselves but 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 also maybe don't have the confidence within themselves uh, and there's some sort of transference to god i think could i don't know whether yeah. i verbalized that could right I, could i just say a little bit i'd like to expand a little yes, bit more please, about please, that could, yeah, um, my, just getting back to my sort of teenage experience and the things that i was being taught in church i'm sure dave and and you blair will be familiar with this this idea that sometimes gets gets vocalized in church about putting god in the driving seat of your life you know and put god is in charge of your life god's got a plan for your life and all of that kind of thing and i was really i was really trying very hard to to make that real when i was a teenager you know i thought you know i need to double down on the idea of putting god in charge of my life but i found what actually happened as a result of that was that i was losing any sense of agency uh, in in my own life and it really didn't work out very well i was almost like a <clears throat> like a passenger in my own life um, so psychologically, I found that quite damaging, and that's why that when I came across that phrase, believing in myself, what is there, I, what is there I cannot accomplish, you know, it kind of hit me like a bolt from the blue. You know, it was a really powerful, powerful message. Um, so I, you know, I'd be interested to know what. Dave has to say about that. I don't know yeah. if we've explored that in particular. Mm. But know, we can do it now, can't we? Because I would have thought the self-belief is really, really important, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, from in both of your cases, you know, it, it's, it's in fact, I would say it's critical. Yeah, and I, th- I think that illustration is helpful to a point, but it's uh, limited in a lot of ways. So the main way I would think about my relationship with God would not be described as the relationship between car and driver, mm-hmm. and where I'm the car and he's the driver. It would be more like a friendship or a really great marriage. Uh, it's, a, it's a relationship, a personal relationship. And so that changes the dynamics, doesn't it? True, sure. we're not equals. He's God and I'm not. But it is a, a, a two-way relationship, this conversation. It's not me being a, an unintelligent vehicle and him calling all the shots and I don't get a say. It, it's more complex than that because I'm a person and he's made me to know him and be in relationship. Well, it's, you know when, when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it full, abundant, or the very yeah, best, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I, I'm whatever. I but, even know the, uh, I, I know the reference, John 10.10. 10. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that was a that was a very key, definitely a sort of key reference um, for me when I was growing up. And I remember discussing it with you know Christian friends. You know, so when does this fullness of life actually start? You know, I think we were kind of waiting for it almost. <laughs> yeah. you, know? you know what I do because uh, I've been a youth worker pretty much all my life. You know, but uh, even now, one of the things that I say to people, I think I actually said it to you both earlier on, mm. but it's it's what is it that rings your bell? You know, mm. Uh, mm. because if you want to get to the heart of the person you know you say well what, what is it now i think you would say humanism is what i think you did say that yeah, actually yeah. is what yeah. rings your bell uh, david what rings your bell uh, just conversation with people big questions and pursuing truth and all of that and and in my heart i'm thinking as well relationship with god is uh, 
is is a reality that we can run into on that journey. Yeah, but but I suppose that the, the, in terms of our 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 self belief and and where we're at, I mean, I, we grow in confidence, don't we? And uh, mm. and I guess there's so many influences on us, right from the from birth, even pre birth, you know, that 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 affect our lives you know but and I, I guess that that maturing uh, to end of days is something which never really stops does it could i just mm. very briefly say i appreciate what dave said about this this car analogy because um and i i just think it it's a it's a kind of lesson in how uh certain analogies which might be quite sort of cute and, and helpful are, are can actually be quite harmful so if anyone's mm. listening today who's still using that sort of car you know got in the driving seat analogy please be kept you know please be careful when you're talking to young people because that actually might be quite harmful for some young people if they don't have a great sense of you know self-belief you know, you might be further, yeah. further uh, eroding that. And mm. I guess one of the reasons why you guys are going into the schools and doing what you do is to help young people to exercise the brains. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. To think, to question. And some people are not comfortable. I mean, you're comfortable in that zone, Dave. Mm-hmm. But, of course, it doesn't automatically follow that, that everybody is because people get very threatened, aren't they? I mean, I've had phone calls into the station. I haven't had any today. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, if, if, if somebody says something, somebody's antenna goes up uh, and, and mm. the person on the end of the phone will be saying, I don't know how you could allow such a view to be shared on radio, uh, on a <laughs> yeah. Christian radio station. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've had that. And, of course, the other common one was music. You know, I, uh, we get hammered with, how can you play secular music? on a Christian radio station mm. and I'm thinking well I firmly believe that God created all things and mm-hmm. loves all people and uh, and that includes the music it's just that some's good some, yeah. some's good music and some's not so good every lesson we're in is, is a mixed bag of people isn't it uh, with a mixed bag of views some of them are interested in the lesson today some of them are not and we've got to get them to care about it but uh, some of them believe in God and some don't and some of them are really interested in those big questions and some of them aren't at all yet. Uh, so we're, we're dealing with a mixed bag of people. And we want every lesson, I think, to be a safe place hmm. for people to disagree hmm. and push and explore those those kind of questions well, together. Let's have some more music. And this, yeah. is, this is your choice, David. So you've gone for uh, Stevie Wonder. Tell us a little bit about why this one. OK, I uh, always loved Stevie Wonder in the 1970s in particular. This one is called Love's in Need of Love Today from the uh, Songs in the Key of Life album, which was a great album. Um, now, I'll just say a couple of things about it um i mean obviously the, you know the idea that love is in need of love today is a, is a kind of poetic way of, of putting it um it's not quite what humanists would think um but you know don't delay send yours in right away um hate's going around breaking many hearts stop it please before it's gone too far i think there is a lot of hatred in the world today that is coming from a sort of polarization of views and people tend to instead of you know like this is again it comes back to what dave and i are trying to do in schools is actually disagree well instead of you know uh, making people think that we hate each other you know we, we certainly don't but there's a lot of hatred in the sort of polarization of views uh, in the world today so i think this is a powerful message you know we can actually love people um humanism is not is not all you need is love you know but we certainly do talk about things like kindness and and tolerance and respect and all of those things so i hope you enjoy the song it's a little bit long but it's a great song <laughs> Ooh. 
This is Hope FM. Well, today is a story of the two Daves. You know, Dave Wharton, who is the chairman of the Dorset Humanists, among other things, and Dave uh, Pegg. I should say David Wharton, and then uh, and then Dave Pegg, of course, who is the schools worker uh, with PACE. That's the program for applied Christian education. We've been talking about uh, the work that they do in schools and what really happens in in the classroom. Now, of course, we know that that young people are ace at asking. Sometimes difficult questions. Yeah. Um, you obviously, when you when you set your stall out and so on, you must get a whole load of questions. But let's let's look at some of the hot potatoes, the ones mm. that keep coming up. So, where should we go first of all? Should we deal with the gay question that does come up? Yeah. Not every time, but it does come up frequently okay. in schools. So, yeah. Dave, you yeah. you share with the young people a fact of your of your journey in terms of sexuality. I don't I don't necessarily say that up front, but um, but when this when this question mm. comes up, I do tend to personalise it because I don't know. It's just. Um, just, just to be honest, really, about what's going on. It's, so. it's a question that gets levelled at me usually. So uh, I, one occasion, I remember one lad at the back putting his hand up and saying, hang on, you're, so you're a Christian, so you hate gay people. And I said, no, I don't. Next question. And he put his hand up again straight away. He wasn't happy. He said, hang on, no, the Bible does say that God hates gay people. And I said, it really doesn't. Next question. And, uh, he and wasn't then, happy with that, was no. he? <laughs> and then... Uh, really helpfully David then uh, chimed in and said actually I know that Dave doesn't hate people who are gay because I'm gay and he's had me and my husband over for a barbecue and that just cut right through this stereotype that there sometimes exists of all Christians everywhere must hate gay people or the Bible says that Uh, it's not true um, and so, yeah, it, it was just really a really helpful way of responding to that, I think. So does it automatically, if you're saying, well, the Bible doesn't say that, they're saying, well, what does the Bible yeah, say Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there <laughs> might a be a longer conversation. Isn't it? Yeah. That's where you need a few lessons to deal with it. Yeah, and, and uh, in that lesson, that was enough to deal with that question, and we moved on to other things, because the lesson really wasn't primarily about sexuality anyway, but uh, but it was a myth about all Christians everywhere uh, that that guy had in his head and I think we dealt with that quite swiftly because Dave um, I mean you do have a a sort of fairly traditional Christian view about um, sexual relationships and the place of sex in heterosexual um, uh, monogamous marriage so even though I you know it's great that you (laughs) you don't hate gays and I know that and you you know you've invited me and John over to your your place which is which is lovely Um, there's still underlying that you know a kind of belief that the the fact that I am in a same-sex marriage from a traditional Christian point of view is is a sin or is wrong and that, you know, ideally it should be changed. So that does that still makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable knowing that Dave has that that view of of the status of my relationship, even though it you know he doesn't hate me, <laughs> and it's not something we talk about a great deal, is it, David? No. So, uh, and I think that's because it's not top of my list. It's not mm. something that's incredibly important to me to talk to you about. I'm much more interested and concerned about your lack of relationship with God uh, than your relationship with anyone else. And so that occupies a great deal of our conversation, doesn't it? Is God really there? Why are you Why are you not believing he's there? And why am I convinced that he's there and really loves us? And, and about Jesus as well. We talk a lot about him. Yeah, yeah. So the sexuality one comes up. Yeah. What yeah. Else? What else? Um, one of the things that comes up is life after death. So I think uh, sometimes I think I get asked, you know, 
don't I feel rather sad about the fact that I'm not going to see my parents again? So both of my parents have died. Uh, they died of good old age. Um, and the way I respond to that as a humanist is to say that <clears throat> I still feel a very, very strong emotional connection to both of my parents. Um, and they are, in a sense, they are in, you know, they are in my heart. You know, they're very much, you know, it's almost like, you know, talking about Jesus in your heart. My parents are in my heart, you know, and I've got photographs of them on my on my mantelpiece and that kind of thing. And so there's a kind of afterlife that they have in, in my emotions and in my memories. And that's enough for me. You know, I don't, I don't believe that I'm going to meet them again because I can't make any sense of that idea. You know, what would they be like? Would they be young people, old people? Would they still be my parents? You know, it just doesn't make sense sense so i'm i'm perfectly happy with the idea that they're very very close to me now um and and you know i i, I accept that yeah and then they pass the bat on to dave sometimes yeah, so, yeah. So dave. i think sometimes we're trying to resist uh, when someone asks a question in a class sometimes it's helpful if one of us answers it and then the other one <coughs> says their perspective but not every time actually sometimes we hold mm. back from doing that and we just let David answer a question from his perspective because the question was for him. Yeah, and then move and on. And I'll we'll just move on to the next question yeah. rather than make every yes. question into a debate. That's true. We don't always do yeah. that. And of course, the truth is that there's not always definitive answers to some of the questions that are posed mm -hmm. because we don't know the answer to everything. Mm. And I guess it's important that people know that from both your perspectives. Yeah, there's, I guess, just personal reasons why we have the convictions we do on each side. Um, we might not be 100% sure about everything. If you had to pinpoint one of the most difficult questions that you've both been asked, what would you identify that as being? I, think, I remember once being asked, um, what is the point of humanism? Um, I don't think it was actually in one of our lessons, but um, you, know, you explain about humanism and they say, well, what's the point of it? You know? And um, so then I, you know, I will talk about you know, the, the purpose of a, of a humanist group. So Dorset Humanists, for example, is, is very much a community. It's a community for people who identify as humanists or atheists, agnostics, skeptics. Um, and importantly, it's also a refuge for, for people who have left their religion. So, you know, we, we do have people who've been Jehovah's Witnesses. We've people, one of our members was a, was a lapsed uh, Roman Catholic bishop, of all things. Um, we have ex-evangelical ex um, missionaries in our group. So a whole range of people who, through their journey, have, you know, have lost their faith for whatever reason, and they find a, a kind of refuge, a home, a community with Dorset Humanists. So I think, you know, that's an important aspect mm -hmm. of what we're doing one of the things that i will say about both of you you're both you're both pretty evangelical aren't you uh, <laughs> uh, because i was down in the Bournemouth square yeah, yeah. i was just telling david this earlier at the beginning of the program and uh, of course you had your stall there yes and in fact i got quite a lot of very useful good, information good, yeah, yeah. i met some of the lovely people who were who, who were manning that stall yeah and of course yeah. so uh, Evangelica, from a different perspective, of course, yours in terms of membership and come and join us. I think, I think the big banner said, there probably isn't a God. Yeah, didn't say there is not a yeah, God. Yeah, it yeah. said there mm. probably isn't a God, so come and talk to us. Yeah, um, yeah. And, of course, from Christianity, well, I guess that's more widely known, you know, in terms of faith in Christ. Yeah, we're convinced we've got good news to share, aren't we, as Christians? The best news, that people can know God and have forgiveness and friendship with him now and forever, and that there's hope and purpose and peace and all of that. So to hang on to that, to keep it to ourselves, would be kind of selfish and 
and, and so on. So, but it, it's about trying to share that good news helpfully in a way that's understood and appreciated, and mm. uh, we're not always perfect at that. And, uh, and, and Blair, can I just say some, a little bit about the evangelical thing in case some of my people are listening Go and, for uh, it. Go and for they it. might be worried about They're that word, you know. Say, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a joke, you know, once an evangelical, always an evangelical. I don't mean evangelical but, in the Christian yeah, sense, yeah. I mean evangelical in terms of sure. reaching We out. should be saying yeah. evangelistic, by I the mean, way, because evangelical know, means something w- else. You're quite right. Evangelistic just, is the word, I think. I just want to clarify that mm. yeah, we're not trying to convert people to humanism, but it's it's much more about raising awareness. And and the, and one of the reasons we have a we set our tent up in the, in Bournemouth Town Square, you know, from time to time, is so that we have a little bit of visibility because we don't have a church, we you know, we don't have a building. Maybe one day we will, but uh, you know, so it's about having a bit of visibility and just making people aware that humanism is a thing and it exists. And you know, mm. so it's public yeah. awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And come and join us if you want. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's pretty much the same for, you know, for the church in a sense, although it's a, slightly different. Yeah, slightly different. Hopefully it's just as polite and welcoming and, uh, you know, and is not frustrating and annoying people. Uh, but I guess there's a sense of urgency with the good news that Christians believe, isn't mm-hmm. there? That, that people need a relationship with God. And so we want to try and help them d- discover that through Jesus. Well, let's have some more uh, music. Now, this p- next track that you've chosen, this comes from you, Dave, uh, mm. uh, Dave Pegg, that is, um, Asleep in the Light from the late Keith Green. Why this one? Yeah, this is a song I I can't get away from. I, I listen to it over and over again and keep coming back to it. And it's a song that kind of relates to, I relate to it because of frustration sometimes with the church with Christians and I and I have to say I'm not perfect I can be frustrating but uh, when we get as Christians distracted by our own stuff and consuming church rather than and we forget the rest of the world and we're just in a holy huddle like doing what we want and pleasing ourselves we've really taken our eye off, eye off the ball when it comes to the rest of everybody else and and the good news that we've got to share so this is a song uh, about that, how the church is asleep when it should be awake and on the ball and active in the world, helping people get to know God. This is Hope FM. Well, of course, that's uh, the late, great uh, Keith Green there uh, with a, a challenging track there uh, about about compromise and how we need to all be, uh, you know, alive to what's happening uh, uh, around us. Uh, now, we, we need to... Uh, you've obviously heard uh, Dave, uh, the two Daves, uh, or the David and the Dave. I don't, do you ever get called Dave? I do get called Dave by uh, family members, by my brother, and also my husband calls me Dave, so then all of his friends call me Dave. So I don't mind, but, uh, you know, it has to be kind of permission almost, you know. If, if someone at work said, you know, just start calling call me Dave, you, you know. Yeah. It's helpful to say David and Dave because it distinguishes yeah. between you both, you know. <laughs> so when I talk about David, I'm talking about David from the humanist perspective. When yeah. I'm talking about Dave, I'm talking about Dave from yeah. the... From the uh, I'm only David if I'm in trouble. So. <laughs> David? Yeah. <laughs> um, you've been working together. Here you are on the radio and you're sharing with us together how, how long has, has this relationship or friendship been going on i it's think it's about five or six years is it something like that since the debate where we first met i guess yeah yeah 
And how have you both changed? What, what have you learned about each other and about mm. life, you know, from your working together and your having mm. a relationship together? I was saying just now, I think that uh, neither, neither of us have really majorly shifted in our beliefs, have we? Uh, yeah. we've, not, we've not persuaded each other about God either way. But I think my and understanding... Your primary, your primary purpose hasn't been to change each other, has it? Oh, that's a really interesting question because, mm. um, I mean, we're not sort of out to scalp each other in that sense. You know, look, look what I've no. got. You know, I've got this Christian who's become a humanist. But, um, I mean... Clearly, I I know that Dave would like me to you know to find well, said, to find that, my faith he? again. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I know that, sure. yeah. and I know that he prays for me. And I don't. I'm not offended by that. I you know take it as a compliment. I'm actually, you know really fine about that. Um, would I like Dave to become a humanist? Um, it's not about wanting him to become a humanist. Um, if if he found, I think if he found at some point in the future that he was having doubts, and let's say uh, the that happened, and you know what happened to me that Dave actually lost his faith, all I would say is that he could find a home in you know in humanism and Dorset humanists, and he would be warmly welcomed. But I'm not out to try and deconvert him or convert him to humanism. Mm. But but nevertheless, your friends. In relationship together, you've been sharing a lot. No doubt, I mean, you, you, you've shared something about what happens in the public forum. I have mm. no doubt about the fact that you guys have been sharing off mic, mm. you know, behind closed doors and so on. That must have done something to your understanding of one another and, 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 yeah. Yeah. and to how your relationship together has, has developed. For sure, yeah, my, my understanding has changed, certainly, and, and understanding a person, David, and getting to know his story and his journey and his reasons why and his... Uh, hesitations to accept certain things as well as as true um we we love talking about that stuff don't we we joke that we we don't neither of us particularly enjoy small talk but we really enjoy big talk and and those bigger questions so of you life. could have your own radio yeah. show could we could call it big yeah. talk <laughs> yeah. two devs yes yeah we could we could yeah. i mean i'm i'm thinking now that maybe it might be that Dave is learning a little bit more about humanism because he's never mm. been a humanist and then converted to Christianity. I mean, he's been a Christian since he was five years old. Yeah. Whereas I've I've been on both sides of this divide. So I do, you know, I know evangelical Christianity inside out. I've read all the books, C.S. Lewis, John Stott, you know, Michael Green. I've read, I've read all of that, studied it, th- thought about it for many, many years. So I, you know, it would be, uh, you know, it would be strange if I was learning lots more about evangelical Christianity from, mm. from that point of view. But I think what I find fruitful in this in this relationship is that I'm clarifying all the time what I what I understand about humanism and how to express that, how to explain it to people. So I, I'm getting clarity about my own beliefs just mm. through trying to share it with other people. And, and outside of your relationship, I mean, do you feel that in the society in which we live, which can be, let's be honest about it, in some places it can be hugely intolerant. Yeah. Uh, mm. But by the same token, uh, there are there is more interaction going on these days. There's, there's more radio programs. There's 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 more people meeting together around subjects that might be difficult. Mm. People diametrically opposed in all sorts of ways, whether it be politically and religious belief or whatever this coming together from your perspective are you encouraged by the fact that there's more of this type of positive engagement uh, taking place even even mm. though of course that, that it, it doesn't always lead very often doesn't lead to agreement yeah i think disagreeing agreeably is something we need to learn how to do and get better at isn't it and i think 
just raising the quality of those conversations is something I care a lot about. I think there's two dangers when when people like me and David are in discussion. There's two dangers I think. One is that we get heated and uh, there's there's more heat than light and it, and we just fall out and can't get along. Have you done um, that? Have you fallen out? Never. No. No. And the other danger is that we both pretend that in some way we're both right and we and we blend and go. Well, in some ways, we're both right, and maybe neither of us are wrong. Well, we don't want to do that both, either. You both believe that you are exactly. absolutely we do, right, don't we you? Do, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> well, maybe do. not absolutely, but almost yeah. absolutely. I mean, tolerance, <laughs> tolerance requires disagreement, doesn't it? Otherwise, you wouldn't have to tolerate. You would just agree. When you tolerate, there's something you don't like. There's something you don't agree with. But you're learning to uh, accommodate and have that whatever it is that you're tolerating. You have it around bees at a picnic or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, you tolerate them. You're, you're trying to get rid of them, but you're trying to deal with them. And, you know, that's probably a bad example. My relationship with David is not like that. But um, tolerance requires a difference, doesn't it, uh, fundamentally? Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't, tolerance wouldn't be the right word. We, we just use the word agree. We don't agree. So what we need is, is tolerance. But that's not the same as agreement. Uh, but neither must it mean that we have to be enemies or something or we can't be friends or care about each other. Nor does it mean that you have to accept each other's beliefs you don't no. you don't no. have to do that no. but i guess that i suppose the key is in what you said so that Dave, it's about knowing you will know better now where dave is coming from yeah. as he will yeah. know where mm. you're yeah. coming from yeah and one of the things i do sometimes say to the uh, students in schools is that 200 years ago in in this country in england i would have been put in prison for having these beliefs and, and, and that's where humanism really started is, is people like George Holyoke being put in prison for disrespecting you know, the deity um, so we've come a long way in this country towards mm. freedom of belief which is fantastic but I also say to the students that they're in other parts of the world uh, humanists are still being put in prison for not believing or, or for saying things about religion that are deemed to be, you know, offensive. Um, the president of the Nigerian humanists has been uh, put in prison for 24 years for putting some disrespectful Facebook posts up on online. And that's a terrible thing, you know, mm. that in the world yeah. today there are still places where, um, you know, it, it's, it's very much, you know, the case that persecution of Christians and humanists humanist is going on in other parts of the world so i always say to the to the students just really value the fact that we live in this tolerant country where we, we where we can disagree and we're not going to get you know we're not going to get sort of imprisoned for it mm. and, and of course uh, there's many many platforms that you can come together in total agreement and work together and no doubt you, you're doing that sure yeah i mean one yeah. Of, yeah i mean one of the things we do at uh, Dorset Humanists is, um, you know, we raise money for uh, Hope for Food. That word hope, you know, we're on Hope Radio and Hope for Food. Some of your listeners may know Hope for Food, the, yes, the local food bank, yep. which is, uh, and I think the uh, the chairman of the committee there is uh, is, is James Sharp, who is, a, who is an Anglican, uh, local Anglican vicar. So again, you know, we, we just come together and, you know, we can do these things practically in the community to help. And, you know, there's no need for any ideological disagreement about that. Mm. Well, let's have your next piece of music, David. And uh, this time you're going to Neil Sedaka. Yes, yeah, one of my one of my favourites. I've always loved um, uh, pop stars who play the piano. So Elton John, you know, uh, 
Stevie Wonder, Neil Sedaka. Neil Sedaka is a great songwriter, and uh, this one is called The Immigrant. Um, I think it's a beautiful song. Um, it's very much about um, the when when America was was very much open to immigrants. Immigrants were pouring into the country, and uh, you'll hear the, one of the lines. It was a time when strangers were welcome here, but then it, there's a darker side to the song. Now he arrives with his hopes and his heart set on miracles, um, but he finds that the they've closed the door they don't want him anymore there isn't any more to go around there was a time when strangers were welcome here so um you know immigration is very much in in the kind of news all the time um i think that uh, we do in this country welcome strangers uh, we do welcome immigrants but that's not to say that there isn't a very serious problem about i, I mean I, as a you know personally I, I don't think we can just abolish borders i think we do need borders and we need to somehow uh oh sorry i'll just say one thing that, that humanist uk has just passed a, a resolution deploring the rwanda um deportation policy of the, of the current government so i'll just say that um but there is obviously a debate to be had about okay what do we do about um illegal immigrants or people turning up here being trafficked here in boats so it's a complex it's a complex question but the message of this song is welcoming strangers and i think that's a beautiful thing mm. is Hope FM. Well, we've been hearing a lot this morning about the Dorset Humanists and about uh, PACE, but let's just go back, we track a wee bit. Uh, Dave, maybe coming to you first, tell us a little bit more about what you're currently doing as the general work of PACE. Obviously, you're going into schools, but what's happening there? Yeah, so uh, PACE, Programme for Applied Christian Education, we partner with local churches and we serve local schools in Bournemouth, Christchurch and Paul. So primary and secondary schools, and uh, we're we're helping people explore the Christian faith. That's what uh, half of our work. We've got two teams. Half of our work is about helping people explore the Christian faith in schools. So that means lots of assemblies, uh, RE lessons, and lunchtime clubs, uh, like we've uh, been describing a little bit of today. Uh, the other half of our work, we've got another team that is providing professional uh, supervision training. Uh, and support for pastoral staff in schools, designated safeguarding leads as well, and and head teachers and senior teams. So schools, that's the bit of PACE's work that schools do pay for. So we provide a, a year-long package of pastoral support and training and supervision for those guys. And of course, we've heard something about the dynamic. I mean, of the of the sessions, have you had mm. to uh, sort of outline what the real value of of of, the, of you doing this work is? Mm. What would you identify? On the schools work side, we're really focused on doing for schools what only Christians could do. And that is telling our personal story of following Jesus. So, And it's also something that teachers aren't so much in a position to do, even if they are Christians, uh, in terms of answering personal questions and sharing their own personal journey and reasons why. But when we visit schools, we get to do a lot of that. And that's the value in having us there. They get to meet a Christian or some Christians, not just get to learn about Christianity from books, but meet people who follow Jesus and hear our stories and our reasons why and our experiences of relationship with God. So that's the unique value in, in visiting schools like we do. And if people wanted to know more, the website? Yeah, it's pacetrust.org.uk and uh, loads of info and ways to get hold of us on there. And of course you're always looking for volunteers, aren't you? Yeah, we are. We're partnering with churches, so it's often 
church-based youth workers and children's workers, but it's other volunteers too. Uh, and there's lots of ways people can be praying. We always appreciate that. And there's newsletters that we can have people sign up for if they're praying. And also opportunities for individuals and churches to support the work financially as well. That's, that's all on the website to find out about. Now, coming to to you, David. I mean, obviously, the Dorset Humanists have you have a you have a program of activities, and we so do. on. Your speakers yeah. and so on, don't you? Yeah, Talk to yeah. Me a bit more. So uh, we have two main speaker events uh, every month: um, one in Mordown Community Centre, another one in the uh, Elstead Hotel in Niverton Road. So it's very much um, so. You know, sometimes I will explain to the students in a school, you know, what what a typical hu- humanist event is like. It's it's nothing like a church service. Um, there's no kind of uh, formula or, or liturgy or anything like that so we have a guest typically we have a guest speaker on a whole manner of topics like philosophy psychology politics environment um, all sorts of things of that nature typically they'll talk for about 50 minutes and then we'll open it up for Christian answer and then yeah uh, yeah uh, discussion uh, and debate so it's it's very much um, you know again you wouldn't find that in a church so um I don't think you have discussions after the sermon, you know, which would be maybe... Depends some, on the church, I think. Might yeah. depend on the yeah. church. So, yeah, that's our sort of main main sort of speaker programme. And um, so, for example, we've got the uh, pr- uh, the um, chief executive of Humanist UK coming down in August to talk to us about humanists at risk around the world, as I, as I spoke about earlier. Now, obviously, people join the group. You, they, you have a little membership for people, you, Yeah, we have... Uh, it's, it's literally just £15 a year, which is... Uh, next to nothing and uh, concessions as well you can go even lower for, for students etc so um, we have about 108 170 180 members which has remained fairly steady uh, over a number of years but lots of people you know our meetings are totally open for people to come along so uh, typically we'll get sort of maybe 30 to 60 people coming to our events and uh yeah, so that's that's the way it works. Now, like I said, uh, by Pierce, you have a website as well? We have a website, yeah. I mean, if, if anyone just Googles uh, Dorset Humanist, I can't remember the exact um, URL, but uh, Dorset Humanist they'll find. And also Humanist UK website is a yeah. very good source of information. Now, changing tack completely, are you into cycling, David? Uh, I cycle to the gym and back. That's about it. Well, I think I think your, your compatriot here is a very keen <laughs> cyclist, don't you? True, yeah, I cycle everywhere. We've chosen this amazing song, which is uh, 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 37 seconds long. <laughs> yeah. Before we play uh, your real choice, Life After Death and Taxes. But why huh. Why this one? Are you, are you a very keen cyclist? Uh, I am. It's my main mode of transport when I'm working, and I'm cycling from school to school to school. Very ecologically. All over the place. Mm. Friendly. <laughs> and the fuel's cheap, so that's good. Oh, I'll say, yeah. Well, let's have a listen to this. This is 37 seconds, my bike. My bike is the way forward, but you keep knocking me off. It shouldn't be so dangerous, but drivers get too close. Every time I go outside to ride, it never changes. You can kill me with your car if you like. But you'll be dead inside, you're dead inside. for that. 
El Salvador for that. So both of you on, on your bikes, as you say. <laughs> well, they will be on their bikes in, in, in a moment. And uh, we'll have to have you guys uh, back to talk about some more uh, some more stuff. But your second song, uh, Dave, is Life After Death and Taxes from Resilient K. Why this? Uh, Reliant K, yeah, the, Reliant the K, Christian yeah. punk band. Uh, they've done a lot of great songs, but this one is... Uh, about hope beyond this life and uh, is about a world without sickness, suffering and death, the kind of world that I think we wish this was and we're working towards it, but ultimately it's one that only God can finish and make, I think. Uh, I don't think we're going to get perfectly there. So um, the line in the song says, death and decay can't touch us now, and that's a reality I'm looking forward to. I leave the final word to them. They obviously, at the end of these lessons, conclude them. Uh, so mm -hmm. over to you to conclude our chat today. Yeah, well, at the end of our lesson, we end up saying something really positive, I think, about where we're in agreement, which is uh, to do with the pursuit of truth and following the evidence where it leads and questioning everything uh, and being prepared to change our minds if we're, if we're wrong and, and be lifelong learners, that kind of thing. We're both in, I think, strong agreement there, which is why we love discussing, discussing stuff like this, uh, particularly when it comes to the biggest questions of life about purpose and meaning and morality and, and all of that stuff. So... That's that, how we end. That opens the door to more programming, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It does indeed. Dear. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure that I do say this at the end of the lessons. Where I think, I mean, Dave, I think has just covered that. But I mean, if I can just reiterate some of the main points of humanism, very much about believing in yourself. I've, I've, I've mentioned that a few times. Uh, and believing in humanity, you know, despite everything, you know, um, humanists don't believe that God created humans, you know, humanists believe that we, we've just been thrown up by evolution with all the flaws that that, 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 uh, that, that gives us as, uh, as primates. Um, but... Um, but humanism is about believing that we can live a good life and we can create a better world and that we can pursue the common good. And I hope that we can do that together with people who do have religious beliefs. This is Hope FM.